Are you tired of spending your time and money chasing strategy after strategy only to discover what worked 10, 5, or even 2 years ago is not working now? Things shift fast in the online space, and if you're not keeping up, you're getting left behind. It's time for something different. Welcome to the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast, where every single episode will be jam-packed with proven, profitable strategies, behind-the-scenes secrets, and what's working now resources. From industry experts and global influencers to help you scale your business, shorten your learning curve, and stand out in a crowded, noisy marketplace. And now, your host, award-winning marketing and media strategist and international speaker, Patty Farmer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Marketing Media Money Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Farmer, and I'm looking forward to sharing today's industry expert with you. And you are going to just love the topic today. It's something that is very timely right now because we're talking about events. So whether it's virtual events, whether it's live events, whether you're just talking about jumping on Zoom, we really want you to know that there's a way to do it that's more beneficial for you. And we're really going to be talking today about what you need to do when you need help to make it be more profitable and more effective for you. So let's talk about that. So today, as a strategic event planner with 15 years of experience, Sherry Sokolowski helps her clients realize their potential for success and create live events to grow their brand while bringing profit to their business that continues long after the event. In this time of great need, Sherry realized she had an obligation to help as many businesses use this time wisely to strategize and plan an event with an experience their industry will seek out first to attend, which I think is super, super important. So Sherry, thank you so much for being here with me today. Sorry, I kind of butchered your last name, but I think I got it right at the end. So great to have you here. Great to be here, Patty. And don't worry, you're not the only one that has done that before. Uh, some people just call me Soko because they, they don't want to get it wrong. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I love that we're going to be talking about events. It's a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And as an international speaker and someone that literally travels all over the world to speak, it's something that is very, very important to my business as well. And I know that there are a lot of people in my audience, probably better than 80% of them are speakers or do events themselves. So I know we're talking to the right crowd and I really appreciate you coming and speaking with us today. So let's just dive right in. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So let's start first talking a little bit about you and kind of like I see that you have 15 years of experience. But you know, and I know that we don't wake up one day and just say, oh, this is what I want to do. This is my life's purpose and calling, right? You know, something happens along the way and we have that aha moment and we're like, oh, I'm going to pivot and then it all happens, right? So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to that aha moment for you. Yes, absolutely. So 15 years ago, I started working as an executive assistant for Bill Glazer, who owned Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle, formerly GKIC. And after he and I started working together, he wanted me to start doing their event planning. And it was something I hadn't really done before. So it was a really good opportunity for me to learn hands-on. And by being his executive assistant and event planner, I got to learn all the ins and outs. I was in all the marketing meetings the reason behind we want to have a certain speaker. Bill and I work side by side on mapping out the agenda. So it was a wonderful hands-on learning experience instead of going to school and college and learning it and then going out in the real world and, oh, nope, that's not right. So it was one of those things that just clicked for me naturally because of the organization and the multitask that you had to be as an executive assistant. And in the entrepreneurial world, it was a wonderful learning experience because I got to hear so many people speak from stage. You were talking about speakers listening, how they teach people from stage, this wonderful content on how to grow their own businesses. And up front, I didn't really understand what a lot of the language was, info marketing and digital marketing. I didn't understand that world yet, but it started to click. And it was 
it was great for me because I was getting a real life entrepreneurial education during this. And so about seven, eight years into being Bill's executive assistant and event planner, I learned a ton of stuff. And it was one of those opportunities where I just continued to learn. It wasn't a glass ceiling. I kept going through it and kept learning and learning, learning business strategies, marketing strategies. And then I decided because of the way the company was going, Bill sold the business. I didn't like the way things were changing. And I thought, what am I going to do? And my husband said, you've got a lot of relationships. You know what you're doing. Go out and start your own event planning business. So that's where the pivot turned for me is now I get to step into being an entrepreneur myself. And that was a big pivoting moment for me in 2012 to be able to go out and start doing events and helping clients run their their events successfully, just like I did for Bill. I really love that too, because I think a lot of times when people interview people, I know that I've worked with a lot of different event planners doing my events. And I would have to say, hands down, somebody who has experience in all aspects brings a lot to the table, really, because what happens is just like any business, you see it from your point of view, from the side that you do. It's kind of like if you go to a web developer, right? You know, a web developer who just builds website and a web developer that's also an entrepreneur, you know, what questions to ask and they think in what is it that you want it to do? And I have to tell you from an event planning point of view, that's the number one thing that I want. I really want to be able to feel like that event planner is my partner, right? And that they're going to ask me questions, say, okay, so Patty, why are you doing it this way? Like, what is the feel you want? Like, what are you going for? And then have them be able to come back to me and say, well, you know what? You could get that same thing by doing it this way. Have you ever thought about doing that? And I think that exactly. really brings a lot to the table. So those years of experience that you have under you from working with him, I think is pivotal because also how many other people haven't had that pleasure of being able to work with him? I mean, he was an amazing man and knew all this stuff. So really, honestly, I think that's a wonderful thing. So lots yeah. of different ways of perspective and the different lenses to look through. And then somebody who understands marketing when yes. they're doing it too, you know, that is really, really pivotal. So somebody who's in marketing, really having them be able to, you know, a lot of times people will think, oh, it makes sense from their point of view. But the reality really is it has to make sense in several ways. So I think that makes exactly. you a great asset. Thank you. Yeah, because it, it allows me to have that box thinking. Like you were saying, you know, I, I can come in and a client will say to me, how can I, because it, it's all about the USP in marketing, right? How can you make yourself unique from everyone else? And, you know, live events, you want to make sure that you are different than everyone else because it's important to get butts in seat. So bringing the outside the box perspective that I can, I can say, well, look, this is what I'm seeing working out there. And if you want to do the same thing, let's make it unique to you and authentic to you, but still successful based on what I've seen work in other areas. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun and I continue to learn every single time I do it. The other benefit I had with being Bill's assistant is I was in on all of his mastermind meetings and the people in his mastermind meetings were Russell Brunson and Ryan Dice and Perry Belcher, you know, all these big guru names that you hear now who have huge stages. And I got to witness how they were growing and what they were learning as they were doing it. And I worked with them when I left. So it was, it's a continued education for me and I love being able to help others. I think that's really great too, though, because a lot of times when people are going to do events, they have all different kinds of budgets. Some want to do local events. Some want people to you know, be flying. There's a lot of different ways. I know that all the events that I do, every one of them has a different flavor. And I always try to tell people all the time, you're not trying to reinvent ice cream. You're just trying to have your own flavor. And I think that it's really important for people to be true to themselves and not just look at somebody else's event and say, oh, I want mine to be just like theirs. So what would be some of the things that you would tell someone if they've never done an event before, a live event, right? So they've never done a live event. I want to talk about virtual events today too, but let's just go here first. If they've never done an event before and they're thinking that they want to, and we all know how scary that is because I know the first time I did my live, first live event, I was really scared. I didn't even want to tell anybody. <laughs> it was so funny because I didn't want to fail in public. So um, 
what would be one of the first things that you would tell them? Are there a couple tips that you would share with them that if they've never done it before? Besides hiring you, of course. <laughs> of course. I always like to look at events, whether they're virtual or live, as the part of your marketing process, right? It's the, it's the next biggest key that you can add to the marketing of your business. It's getting your name and your brand out there. So you want to look at it that way. And so whenever you're developing your business plan or your marketing plan, you want to start with what's your purpose, right? What is your why? Why are you doing this? What's going to set you apart from everything else? When you're putting this live or virtual event on, what's the purpose of doing it so that you know what the outcome is going to look like and all the pieces and parts in the middle will come into play in the proper order. So it, it doesn't look like a hodgepodge of an event. It just looks like it's flawless. So I always tell people to just outline what your purpose is going to be first. Uh, the purpose could be anything from launching a new service or a new product, or you just develop something new within your own business that you want to share with others when the, in your industry. You want to grow your brand. You want to develop more of a bigger tribe that follow you. Whatever that purpose is, is the first thing that I always teach my new clients that come on to start with first. And a lot of times you need to really focus on that First, a great example of that, Patty, would be someone who maybe just wrote a new book and they didn't even realize it, but they could develop a product or a course or a boot camp right out of that book. And they could develop an event, whether it's live or virtual, to focus on that book. So that one book that they did could develop into other things. Or it could be an, you know, the opposite of it. It could be just that one particular topic of what the book is. So again, starting with the purpose is the big thing and then figuring out how that is going to work within the rest of your marketing plan. I love that you said that so much, that last part. <laughs> I really love that because people don't always think about their marketing plan, right? So I think that's really important. So I love that you said that. Yes. One of definitely. the things I also think is important is I know a lot of times when my clients come to me and they say, oh, I, I want to do you know, an event, I think that should be a great thing we should add to my marketing plan. Sometimes they want to tell me that the first week we're working together, right? And so, and they've never done one and, and you know, they don't even have their message clear or whatever, like that's why they hired me, right? And so I think that's really good. But I think one of the things too is it seems like the thing that they want to say over and over is this is my budget and they don't yeah. actually ask the question, this is the result, you know, the revenue result that I want. Because really, right. honestly, knowing what the revenue result is that you want, because I mean, some people do events because they want to get their message out or many, many yep. different reasons. But if you're doing it for a revenue result and you know that, you need to know what that revenue result is that you want exactly. to create so that you know, like to me, I always work backwards, right? It's like yeah. you have to know the goal first, right? And then you can work backwards on what you would have to do. So I think that that is really important for people. And I think there's a lot of things that they don't really think about. So how important do you think the revenue goal versus the budget is important? What's your take on that? That's a great question. And it's, it's different in a way for virtual than it is for live. So we're, we'll talk about live for a moment and then we'll go back to virtual. Perfect. So, so with a live event, the budget is different because you're paying for the location. So, you know, within your budget, you've got to figure out all the pieces and parts because that's, that's probably one of the top three questions that I get whenever I start working with someone is, what does my budget look like? And I, and I always have to go back to them and ask, answer it with another question is, what do you want this event to be like? And look like how big do you want it how many days do you want it are you really going to uh, provide a professional audio visual support team for this because you if you aren't thinking of that you definitely need to be thinking of that because you don't want to leave money on the table by not video recording it so you know thinking about all of those aspects will determine what the budget is for a live event because that could eat into your revenue costs but if you also strategize, that's the other, I guess, second point to what I said earlier with purpose, right? If you strategize within the marketing plan, like you figure out what your purpose is for this live event, because it's what we're talking about for the moment, and then you figure out how that's going to work into your marketing plan, meaning how long you're going to market it, what you're going to market, what's your message going to be, and then you strategize it, then within that, it gives you enough time to figure out what your offers are going to be and how much those offers are going to be so that you can figure, okay, if I'm going to have 100 people in the room 
and I'm going to make this high dollar offer, what happens if not everyone or majority of the room isn't interested in that offer? Then you think at the end of the day, that's the last opportunity that you have to make revenue. And it isn't. Because if you talk about the purpose and then what the outcome is, then you're missing the fact that you can also sell them an either not really a downgraded offer, but a lower end offer that's best suited for someone who isn't ready to take that higher level offer. Or you have them selling tickets to the next event, recordings of the event, other revenue opportunities such as sponsorships, having joint ventures or other speakers speak from stage or in the back of the room selling another opportunity for them. So there's lots of different ways to create revenue. It's just a matter of, again, going back to that purpose and outlining it so that you have a strategy and you have a marketing plan so that at the end of the day, you're not walking out of that event with lost revenue. The other thing too, I just want to point out when it comes to live events is people will go into a big event that seems to be extremely successful because of what's happening with the experience that they're having at the live event from another host. And they look around and they see how many people are in the room and they figure, oh, I paid 500 bucks to get in this room. And everyone else in here probably paid that same amount. And they're thinking, oh, the host made that much money. Most of the time, people don't realize within a budget is ticket sales is what helps you cover your costs. That's not really where your revenue comes from. Amen. So that's, you know, right? That's a big myth that people think, oh, I'm going to be making my revenue off of ticket sales. No, you really don't. You can, you could if you do it right, but the, the main purpose of having the ticket sales is to help cover your costs. So keep that in mind. There's, there's different ways that you can make revenue off of ticket costs like VIP tickets and special upgrades and, and things like that, yes. But to pivot quickly to virtual, virtual events are a lot less, um, I guess, budget to, to host because the only thing that you really have to pay for is whatever platform you're going to be using. Now you can do Zoom depending on how many people are on it and it doesn't really cost you a whole lot, but if you're gonna use something like Vimeo or you know, stream, something like that, it costs thousands and 10,000s, $25,000 to have a platform like that. Um, so it will cost you, but it just again goes back to the purpose. What's the purpose of the virtual event? And then the other difference between, so budget is less with the virtual event more with a live event. Potential revenue profit is more with a live event because you have their trust. You're in front of them. They have an opportunity to network with you in person, gain the trust because they see the other people working with you, trusting you. With a virtual event, the revenue profit there is not as great unless you already have a huge following with them because you're not going to be able to sell a high-end product in front of new people right off the bat in the virtual way because they don't have that gained trust with you yet. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I have found that to be true on many, many different levels. And a lot of that has to do with how you're marketing as well, right? Um, When you're on a virtual one, how much of that is organic and is already people that are on your list or in your tribe versus did you do paid ads or that type of thing? So there's a lot of different ways to do that. But you said something that I really loved in there and I was you kind of led me to my next question I'm interested to know. What would you say, I always think it's important to know what not to do as well as what to do. So you mentioned the word myth, and I love that because I think it's so important. Could you share with us a couple of the myths that you hear over and over again, and you're just like, man, let me just quilch some of those myths that they're just not true. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Well, we already talked about one. How it doesn't matter how many people in the room, the ticket sales are not going to bring you the revenue that you could be getting. The other myth is the more people in the room, the better. A lot of people think if I've got thousands of people in the room or hundreds of people in a room and they think, you know, with their first event, if I can only get a couple of hundred people in the room, that that's going to make it successful. And that is a a terrible myth. I'm going to bust that myth right here because I'm going to tell you, let me ask you this, what's better, quantity or quality? right? Do you want quality leads or do you want quantity leads? When it comes to a live event, it is extremely important to have the right people in the room for many reasons. Number one, if you have quality people in the room, they're going to be more qualified buyers and they're going to convert better because they're going to want to hear and listen to what you have to say and will buy into more of what you have to teach them and 
offer them as an offer for an investment because they're quality buyers. They don't, their pocket isn't so tight as the, you know, the number of people in the room. The other part of that is the fact that if you have negativity, it takes one person to ruin the experience for many. So if you have a lot of negative Nancy's in the room because you have the quantity versus quality, you're going to have naysayers sitting next to a person who is quality and they're going to be surrounded by a bunch of naysayers listening to you talk from stage about this wonderful service that you have to offer. And like, who does she think she is? She don't know what she's talking about. I hear the same old, same old all the time. And it's because you think that you have too many people, you have so many people in the room, it's going to be better. So no, that's a myth buster here. You need to look at quality versus quantity. So that's one myth. The other myth is that you have to feed them to give them a great experience so that they want to come back again and again. And that's definitely a myth that I want to bust because that is a budget buster, number one. And number two, if you plan to have multiple events, if you're going to have an event again and again, you can always go to the next one and add more to that experience. But once you start that experience, they're most likely going to expect it again from you. So always start out small and you can give them a great experience in many ways outside of providing meals. You don't have to provide the meals, but you can provide them with accessibility to meals. You can make it more convenient for them to get food, but you don't have to be the one that supplies it. So that's another myth is you don't have to do that. Um, you also don't have to make it where it's in a location that's easy for them to get to, meaning that it doesn't have to be by the airport or in an in international airport for them to get to. If your content is relevant to what they need in here, and if you market it properly, they're going to do what it takes to get there as long as you make it a great experience for them. So in other words, back in the olden days with GKIC, we used to have a lot of our events, our national events, by the airport because we wanted to make it convenient for the attendees. Plus, it was easier on their budget so they didn't have to pay a big taxi fee. You know, they could just take the airport shuttle or the hotel shuttle and get there. Nowadays, we have Uber, we have Lyft, we have multiple ways for people to get to and from the hotel and the airport that is easy on the budget. So that's another myth. Yes, I love it. And I especially love that one because I have to tell you, so I live in Dallas, right? So DFW, big airport, right? We would get a lot of people over time that would reach out to me and say, oh, Patty, I'm coming in town. I'm going to do an event and we're going to have it at the hotel at the airport, right? And so one of the things I always wanted to say to them is, are you having a lot of people flying in or do you have a community here in Dallas and you want us to go? Because locals, we're not driving to the airport. <laughs> DFW is a big, huge airport and I would rather fly somewhere to go see your event than for me to have to go drive to DFW airport and go to that hotel there. So I always like to tell people all the time, you need to decide where are you going to get your traffic? Are you going, are you looking for local people or are you looking to have, you know, you're having a lot of people fly in um, and so you're making it easy for them. So I think that that's really an important question people should ask because a lot of people have an event at a location because they have a community there, which is really great. Right. And I'm going to tell you that most of that community does not want to go to the airport. Right. So I think that's <laughs> exactly. important. And the other thing I really, I love what you said about food, because I think that is so, so important because one of the things that I think um, it's kind of an etiquette thing, but you can put on the most amazing event. I have been at events that were like game changers in my business, talk to a few people. And then when I come home, hear those other people on social media talking about, you know, rubber chicken or, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, what did you even go to the event for? Did you go there to eat chicken or did you go there to learn this amazing game changer? So it's amazing to me. First of all, that was bad etiquette, but it's amazing to me the things that people will pay attention to. And I think we live in a world where we have to, you know, people are vegan or they have to eat gluten-free and, and it's just so much harder to do food yes. now than it yeah. has ever been. And then you just need to ask yourself, how long are you keeping them there? Because you know how sometimes you'll hear, sometimes I would go to events and I'd pay more because they were at like the best destination. But then what would happen is they'd never let us out of the event to 10 o'clock at night. So it didn't really matter that I was on the beach because I never got anywhere near the beach unless I paid right. extra to stay longer. So if it was really a destination, like, are you giving them time? 
that if they're making exactly. that decision, and a lot of that's about food. So if I get to leave, oh, I could go eat at a cute little restaurant that's by the beach. And so I feel really good about it. So I know there's always those questions about how do we get them back on time and who's the speaker yeah. after lunch. And there's a lot of different <laughs> things that come into play in events. So I, I really love that we're talking about that because those are really a lot of questions and having a professional as yourself help you navigate those questions, I think is really key. I have to tell you for myself, the biggest mistake I ever made and learned from is how much coffee can cost you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, coffee <laughs> and hot water. <laughs> is like so funny, like the cost but also the cost of not having it, right? So there's the cost of what it costs and the exactly. cost of not having it. So I have to tell you, for me, if they're not going to have coffee, it's almost a deal breaker for me because I yes. drink coffee and I love coffee. And so yep. it's super important to me. And until I started doing my own events, did I really realize how much hotels charge you for that coffee? So again, those are questions that you really want to be able to have with an event planner because something really good can happen too. So on that, an example I'll give for that is there's this event place in Scottsdale, Arizona that I love going to events at their place because they actually have this signature drink that they have. It's like this, I know it's not going to sound good to some people, but it's a jalapeno prickly pear I don't think oh, it's yeah. lemonade, but it is so refreshing. And they put yeah. the jalapenos in the thing so you can add them or not. But it's got a little bit of a kick. I love it so much. I finally called them and begged them to give me the recipe. But the bottom <laughs> line is it was so good having a signature drink that they put yes. out every day and stuff like that. So some of those things, you can make some of those things your own. So I think that's important. So I love that you're saying that. And really, honestly, some of these things can make or break your event. I mean, maybe yes. not break your event, but make it better or worse as an experience for people. So having right. an event planner who can help you navigate those, figure out, even going back to budget, where should you spend your money and where shouldn't you and what's some other ways that you could do it, really, I think, can be beneficial to you. And then mm -hmm. to what you said about numbers, I think... You can always tell when somebody is thinking that way that they're kind of new to events because we all know that that really doesn't matter how many people are in the room. I have made sometimes more money if there was 15 people in the room at a very Absolutely. small, intimate mastermind that they asked me to come speak at to ones where there were hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands even, mm -hmm. to ones that just had 60 people. I think we all, after a while, if you're a speaker, know your sweet spot. And, and that's yes. how you kind of fine tune yes. and you have a strategy about where you should speak. Again, I think that comes back to having a really good event planner. And an event planner will tell you if you have offers, where you should place them, where you should put the other speakers, and all those type of things. Do you also help, personally, do you also help people with sponsorships and how they should do those and all those type of things too? Yeah, it's a great question. I have I help them on what I like to call concierge level. So oh, I don't I like go that. out and yeah. So I don't go out because I think that's the important part of a successful portion of the event being sponsored is making sure that the people that pay you a lot of money to sponsor your event are treated as though they paid a lot of money to be a sponsor at your event. Because that's that's where a lot of misconceptions and the myth comes from too. Is that once a sponsor comes on, they're like, okay, they paid me the money. I don't. I, I'm just going to give the agenda and treat them like any other attendee. And no, that's that's the wrong thing to do because you want Absolutely. them to come back again, right? You want them to not only come back and renew again for the next time, but even tell some other people how great of an event and experience that they've had. So, so yes, I I help them on a concierge level, meaning that I will work with a client on what your sponsor packages should look like based on what your event is and how to treat them and uh, like bring them like the onboarding process. I won't go out and seek a sponsor for you. And there's a couple of reasons why I don't do it. The number one is because you know your business best. If you want an introduction to, because I know so many of them, if you want an introduction to them, I can make that introduction and say, hey, I've got, you know, fulfillment centers marketing companies, copywritings, you know, all kinds of different vendors, I can make those introductions for you 
but having someone from your office make that connection is best. I agree with you. I think that makes sense. And not only that, but you really, in my opinion, I don't want to pull the person who's the specialist that I brought in to plan mm -hmm. my event and have them do anything other than make my event the greatest event <laughs> that it can be, right? So I really want her to use what her brilliance is like. It's like anything else, right? I want to work in my brilliance and hire people to work in theirs. And sometimes yeah. we think that wearing more hats cuts down on the budget, but in reality, it can cost you a lot of money um, by right. not hiring somebody to be able to do certain things for you if that isn't what you do. The very first event that I did, I decided to do this event and my coach at the time told me that he thought that I should because I was very connected and I was a networker and I had all these people that I should be doing like a 300 person event, which was like terrifying to me. And I didn't think that I could do it. And so, and it wasn't how I wanted to, it just kept not landing with me. And so what ended up happening was I decided um, previous to that, I had just came away from an event that I spoke at that was very, very successful. And I thought to myself, okay, I have the money right now that I could lose. So I'm going to go ahead and do it my way. <laughs> I'm going to do it my, the way that I felt like I wanted to show up and really the kind of event that I wanted. And I decided to do that. And I thought, you know what, if I lose my butt, well, I have the money right now to lose it. And I did it and I literally followed my gut and did it the way I wanted to. Now, I have to tell you, it was an event I decided to do in New York City because I didn't use an event planner that first time. <laughs> I booked it during New York Fashion Week. Crazy. Oh my. <laughs> Can you just imagine what went wrong there and how getting yes. them all to stay in a hotel and what the pricing was. And oh, it was just oh, so crazy. Now, luckily for me, it kind of worked out for me. And I now do it every year during New York Fashion Week, every single year. But here's the thing, I will never forget checking out and how nice that lady was when she said to me, so Patty, let's go line by line and let me tell you where, because you shared with me that it was your first event, let me tell you where it could have went wrong for you. And when she laid out all the ways it could have went wrong for me, I thought I'll never do an event without an event planner again. Um, yes. And so right then and there, it's like, you don't know what you don't know, right? All of us, we don't know exactly. what we don't know. And so mm -hmm. I think it's really important to have somebody, it's kind of like you wouldn't go buy a house, the most expensive thing. And I've literally had events that sometimes are expensive as a house, right? And um, when you think about it, you wouldn't do that without a realtor to guide you, right? You just wouldn't show, sure. I mean like, so think about it. This is your event. You're gonna be out there for all these people to see you. You wanna show up and sir, this is why you're doing it. Why wouldn't you want to have somebody there who's going to represent you behind the scenes so that you don't have to worry about that? And I mean, it's now it's like so important. I think, I don't think people realize how important it is. So let's kind of flip into virtual events. So a lot of times people think, oh, it's so easy to do virtual events. You don't really have to think about anything. You just invite people. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> at all. And I notice that a lot of times, especially lately, it seems like I've been seeing people decide that they're going to do a virtual event, like on a moment's notice. They just think, oh yeah, I'm just going to do this. Right. I, know. Right? I see it a lot. Yeah. And here's one of the things <laughs> that I think is super important. And I'm going to go a little bit off, but then I'm going to close the loop. So bear with me. So here's what I see. What I see is sometimes people will see live events. They're going to be these speakers, right? You may be going to pay $500 to go to that event. And here's these speakers. And for whatever reason, they decide to flip that into a virtual event. Then you see people who are doing online summits. And then you see people who are like, oh, you know what? This would be really great. Let's network. Let's all get on Zoom. And, you know, 20 of us are going to get on Zoom. Now, I got to tell you, for those out there listening, there's a big difference between getting on and networking on a Zoom call where everybody's going to be just giving their elevator pitch, blah, 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 versus an online summit versus an online event, a virtual event where you're actually going to see and listen to and learn from speakers who you would have wrote a check 
and didn't have to, and you get to do it at home in your pajamas, so to speak, right? You know, I mean, I think that should be super important. And I think people need to realize they're not all the same, right? And so right. they need to really think and have a strategy about which are the most important things, right? You know, so let's kind of talk about that in virtual, because I mean, it's not a one size fits all, the virtual world. I think yeah. people think, oh, live events, they have big ones, they have this kind, they have this kind, and people get it. But when it's virtual, they're thinking, oh, they're all exactly the same. And that is just so not true. So that's kind of like bust a miss there. Kind of talk about what you should be thinking sure. about when you're deciding to attend virtual events. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, Patty. You, you, can't, you can't say virtual events are like live events because they're not. I mean, the, 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 the myth with a virtual event that I want to talk about is the fact that just because you have an expert on the virtual event with you doesn't mean that you're going to get out of that virtual event the same thing that you would get out of a live event if you don't strategize it properly right so here's what i mean by that is the one thing that a lot of us are talking about right now is because a lot of speakers aren't out speaking at live events right now you can go out and reach them and say, hey, can you hop on a virtual event with me? Can you do a, a, a webinar with me? Because your schedule seems to be opened up right now. And you may have a little bit of an opportunity to do so. But make sure that you take that time with them and strategize about what you want that virtual event to be like. You want to have the ability to ask them questions that's relevant to your audience. You want to make sure that the content is worthy of what you want the content to be. You don't want it to be about them. Because what a lot of these speakers are doing right now, and they won't admit it out, you know, live. Uh oh, live bust here. We're doing it. <laughs> We're myth busting this live. Yeah. What a lot of speakers are doing right now is they're looking for every single opportunity they can to get in front of as many people as they can because they're just like us. We're, they're looking to get out in front of as many people as they can right now. So with a virtual event, they have a lot more opportunity to talk about what they want to talk about because they, sort of have free reign, right? They're, they're on a Zoom call like this. And the only way that you can knock me off, Patty, is if you go in and you shut off the mute, but it looks bad on you, right, if you do that. So the big thing that you want to make sure of is that you have that conversation with these speakers right up front beforehand. Just because it's virtual and maybe a virtual handshake doesn't mean that you shouldn't do an agreement between the two of you, just like you would with a live event. So make sure you cover yourself. And it's a beneficial to them too, because it's going to be a more quality type of content and quality type of virtual event if you treat it just like you would in a live performance. Make it organic. Say, I want you to have to, and talk about this particular topic and these bullet points and these content, but I want it to be as organic as possible. And then do interaction with the audience. So, so that's one myth that I want to put right out there right now that people aren't thinking about. They're thinking, oh, I can just reach out to Gary Vee right now and get him on a 30-minute little virtual call with me or a webinar just so I can say I had Gary Vee on with me. How's well, that okay, working but, for them? <laughs> right. How's that working for you? Are you aware of, of the language he uses? Are you prepared for that? Because once it goes out, it goes out. You know, that's the one thing with virtual. Once it goes out, it goes out. So, so that's something that you really, really need to be careful of. Because again, like you were saying, Patty, you want it to be different. You don't want it to be, everything is different. There's so many different platforms, but you still have to go back to the marketing, right? You still have to go back to the USP. If you want to be the industry leader for your industry and stay relevant and have relevant content and let them know that you're there, then act like it, even in a virtual world. Oh, I agree. I think probably the nicest thing that people say about me, like of all the things that people say, the thing I love the most is when people say, you know what, Patty, when I see you in person on stage or on social media, or I meet you in person, you're exactly the same. Like you're the same person. I'm like, well, yeah. Right. Because who wants to meet somebody? And then you think, wow, they weren't anything like what I thought they were. And that exactly. has happened to me and probably happened to a lot of people too. Right. You yes. know, but I think that yeah. that is really important about being authentic. Right. It's not just a word. I really want people to do it. 
And part of that was even nine years ago when I became a speaker and I thought, oh my gosh, I need to change myself and to be in this eloquent, wear what I like to call a soap opera dress, right? You know, and, and make three points. And I thought that was just so not me. I've never yeah. been called eloquent before. <laughs> uh, not that I'm that raw, but uh, I don't think eloquent is really me. And so it took me a while for me to learn that it wasn't changing me to be what I thought they needed to be, right? What other people were. It was more like standing or sitting, whatever the case may be, in front of audiences that needed to hear it the way I said it, right? That's like finding exactly. your tribe, right? So right. it's really about being in front of the right people. So that's really what being authentic really is and having them yes. know that when they're there with you. So whether, that's why it doesn't matter whether there's 30 or 15 or 300 or a thousand because right. they get you. They're your people, right? They get you. Yeah. Here's another thing that I'd like to talk about too. And I think this affects virtual and live events. And I'm just loving having you. Sherry, you've just been amazing. So I love it. Thanks. So here's one of the things that I noticed and I'm seeing kind of a trend. So since I'm a speaker and I do events, I kind of see both sides of it. Um, one of the things that I'm seeing is I see a lot of people when they're filling events now, if they're not hiring the right person and they don't get the marketing strategy right, what I see is that they're trying to fill the room. And because they're trying to fill the room with this number that they think they need to have, or maybe they told their sponsors that they were going to have, what happens is they try to have a little of everything right? You know, they'll have somebody over here that's in the spiritual realm, and then they have like a marketing person, and then they have this like doctor. And so consequently, they do the one size fits all sort of model. And what they're hoping is when you read about their event, that you will say, oh, I really want to see that person, or I want to hear about that person. Now, I have to tell you, for me, I never really loved that model, even when I just would attend, because I always thought to myself, okay, if it's this much dollars and there's five speakers and I only want to see three of them, I start exactly. you know, thinking about the price, right? However, then there's the flip side. And just to be transparent, I will say the flip side that I'm going to say are the type of events that I have where I don't want to say there's a theme, but pretty much for me when I do an event, so I'm in marketing, I like to have speakers that would also support those people, but in a different way than me. Right. So maybe a speaker would be somebody that was going to talk about branding and somebody who is going to talk about other things that do blogging or whatever the case may be. So literally everybody in the room is mm -hmm. pretty much all of our target market. So here's the thing that I have heard people say about that. And I really want to know your take. I have heard that people say, well, yeah, Patty, but if you do that, then you're all vying for the same dollar. But then the other thing is, now you're only talking to a portion, maybe 25% of the people in that room are you. And if you are a sponsor or a speaker who is also a sponsor, you paid money to be there. And there may be 100 people in the room, of which only 20 of them are really your target market. So there's several ways to look at that. You know, oh, they only have so much discretionary income. And if all of you, they're your market, you're all competing for that dollar. So I think there's several ways to think about it. You're an expert here. I already have my opinion. I love to hear yours and I know the audience would too. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because this is something that I love to talk about. Oh, it's good. all about the strategy. Yeah, it's all about the strategy and the purpose, right? Because there's many different kinds of events. So when you're figuring out and you're kind of outlining what the purpose of this event is, is it a workshop? Is it a boot camp? Is it a conference? Is it an implementation event? Is it an enrollment event? You know, so there's many different types of events. So once you figure that out, then in, in line is what kind of speakers do you want to have there? And I am a huge advocate to have speakers there that support you and your message. So regardless if they're coming to speak about something that they know about and talk about, it's super important that you take the time. And that's another concierge thing I do for my clients is you take the time to talk with these speakers ahead of time about what their topic is going to be about, what their message is going to be about for many reasons, but for, for the sake of what we're talking about right now is so that it matches and, and kind of goes hand in hand with what your theme is about and what your message is about. And it's also a great way for them to kind of endorse you right? As the expert. So it doesn't matter if you do it right. 
all ahead of time and you strategize, it doesn't really matter if they're up talking about something in that umbrella of the theme that you have, like you were talking about branding, right? So maybe they have a specialty within your theme that you are not a specialist on, but they are, and they're going to talk about it and teach about it, but they're going to connect you and what your message is and what your expertise is in their presentation. So you're hearing someone else talk about it, kind of endorsing you, but putting their own addition to it. So it's not instead of, it's plus this. So that's a mindset. When you yeah. have them speak on your stage, you already, or should be anyway, endorsing them as well. So it's exactly. really like I chose them because I believe that they're an expert of something I think you should also know, exactly. right? So it's doing that, but then you're right. On the same token, when they're up there, it's all an edification process, right? You know, we're, really, yep. we're all on the same team in reality. Yes, so you are. So when you handle that? Yes, I do handle that. And, and I love doing that. A couple of years ago, I had a client where we, we had three events a year and they're like, I need you to just go out and vet the speakers for me and do the agenda. So it was like my favorite thing. So they told me what their topic was. It was e-commerce. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out. And not only is it important to find the right speakers, but you have a lot of speakers who are listening to this. So there are a lot of professional speakers who talk on more than just one topic. So you may want a speaker because of their personality and their authenticity and how great they are from stage and how they, you really want them to be part of your event, but they have a handful of topics, but you also have another speaker that you want and they have a handful of topics. Pick and choose the topic with the speaker that's right for the event. So you can have both of them, right? So just because they can both speak on the same thing doesn't mean that you, oh, I can't have Patty speak on this. I can't have her speak it at my event because so-and-so is speaking at that same thing. No, you have that conversation with both speakers and say, look, I really want you to speak for me at my event because I know you're awesome. So let's take a look at these other topics. Then the other part of that, because you were talking about before kind of a hodgepodge of, you know, uh, different types of speakers. If you outline and strategize and map out your event agenda properly, then everything has a natural flow to it. And it makes it feel like it's just, oh, well, that makes sense because that just kind of confirms what we just, I just heard this morning instead of going back and forth. And that's another reason why you need to make sure you talk to your speakers because you don't want them talking over someone else and saying, well, because I've seen this happen before and it's so embarrassing where a speaker gets up there and they, and they say the opposite of what someone else said. And the people in the audience, you could see them physically looking at each other like, wait a minute, so-and-so just said something else differently. So everything needs to have a natural flow because it's going to help you with your sales and conversion at the end of the day, because it's going to just have that natural flow. And it's okay to add in a keynote. It's okay to add in, you know, a, a mindset coach or something like that, but it depends on placement and it should Absolutely. always be right. So it should always be maybe a bonus or maybe in a late day session, it should be something where it doesn't have any effect on your conversion. I love that. I think it is really important too. And I think like, um, we could almost do a whole nother show on that, but I think it really is important. Like a lot of those add in things that you can really do, yeah. right. You know, like for me, whenever I do my events, I know that I'm always coming in a few days before. So whenever I can have, you know, some of my you know, I'll put together and have my mastermind people come in, uh, you know, the day before and I'm, they're going to come to the event, but I'm already going to be there. And it's like, oh, well, why don't you come in and instead of setting another time, it makes sense to just put it at that exact time too. And then a lot of times exactly. I'll put them on a panel and stuff. So there's a lot of different ways that I think that you could do it. But again, like what you said, the flow is super, super important and having somebody yes. else help you with that. Cause again, you're the expert and who in the world wants to be thinking about you're going to, especially like if it's a sales and enrollment event yes. or something like that. I mean, you're thinking about all these things that you're going to talk about and what you want to deliver and what you want that experience to be. The last thing in the world you want to be thinking about is all this other stuff. Right. And so I think exactly that is like super important. I have to tell you, Sherry, you have been absolutely amazing. I think that you've been very, very generous in sharing your brilliance, and I really appreciate that. And 
how can my audience connect with you so that they can, when they hear this, they're like, oh, we really want to know her. Oh, thank you, Patty. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, if they want to reach out to me through my website, it's at sleseventplanning.com. And there's a great way that they can just get in touch with me, a 30-minute discovery call where we just talk about what's going on with them and what they may be looking to do in regards to strategizing for a live event. Perfect. And like every good guest, you came bearing gifts, which we really, really love. So tell us a little bit about the gift that you have for the audience. Yeah, I have a free report and it's the seven costly mistakes you may make when planning your own event. So if you're someone who is doing their own event, like Patty said, you know, you do your events, what are those particular seven things that could be costing you when you're planning an event, like contracts, hotel contracts, what you need to look for, those little hidden fees, uh, the location, uh, the different things that you need to look out for the location. So this uh, free report will talk about those seven different things that you wouldn't have thought of before that could be costing you money. Ooh, see, because you can make money by saving money. So not having to learn from those costly mistakes actually makes you money. So I think that is really great. So now we come to the portion of the show that I like to call hashtag open mic. It's sort of my version of social karaoke where I pass the mic over to our guest and I ask them to share their number one marketing media and money strategy. You know, that's what our show is. We're all about helping you to know what you should be doing right now in order to make your business be effective and profitable. So Sherry, I'm passing the mic to you. What is your number one marketing media money strategy? My number one is to be present virtually in front of my audience. So I use video where I'll do quick little 30 seconds, sometimes two or three minutes, depending on what I'm learning in the industry of a video that's personalized for my clients. And I'll say, this is what I'm learning right now that I thought would be super cool for you. And I'll uh, send them a quick video about that. Uh, it keeps me in front of them because we might not be working on an event until six, seven, eight months out. And I want to make sure that they know I'm still here and, you know, to stay relevant. And I also have a YouTube channel. So I'm out in front of them on YouTube channel where I'm consistently putting content out there about what's happening in the virtual and live event world in an outside the box way of thinking. So just trying to put information out there. So what is helpful for me is just to have a virtual presence, especially now, because it's a great way to stay relevant in the industry, letting them know I'm still here to help and serve them. Oh, I love that. That's a great, great strategy. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being here with us. I, I really appreciate you taking you. the time to spend this time with us. Thank you, Patty, for having me. It's been a lot of fun. It has. So thank you to everyone out there. I really appreciate you joining us on the Marketing Media Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, and I'm sure you did, please like, subscribe, or review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. And join us on Facebook in the Marketing Media Money Magazine Podcast and Events Facebook group so you can get up close and personal with our guests. So for everybody here, thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Make it a phenomenal day. And remember, if your day isn't phenomenal, you have the power to change it. Thank you for joining us today on the Marketing, Media, and Money podcast. To shorten your learning curve even more, make sure to grab your free copy of the Marketing, Media, and Money magazine at www.marketingmediamoney.com. I promise your business will thank you.